about them or, or myths would be uh, created. And, you know, sometimes it gets to the extreme and sometimes not so bad. But if you take into account how often that was seen, you know, say the 1400s or 1300s, how often was that seen? And then those, st- those stories and those tales being told from generation to generation to generation, somewhere down the line, those, those tales are going to get skewed and, and manipulated and they're going to just kind of grow into what, like you said, with the werewolf thing. Now they're a flesh-eating uh, man that turns into a wolf. You know what? Just, I was just talking to you, and suddenly my 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 everything went blank, and everything went. Oh my god! Panic. So this is the second. This is the second bit live, but I will make sure I put both ends both both on. So I do apologise, to people that have been listening. Um, but I will put the other. I will link them together somehow. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> Um, but this, well, these things do happen to me. I don't know why. I, I think it's because I've had a near-death experience myself. Yeah. I basically was in a coma for three weeks. And whilst I was in the coma, I heard a woman's voice that I've not heard before or since telling me to wake up. And I had an overwhelming feeling to wake up. I seriously believe this is my guiding angel or spirit guide. I know there's scientific explanations behind it, but I'm sorry, I, that's my belief and I'll stick to it. And also, while I was in my coma, I was neither in the real world or the next world. So that's why I like to call myself Ghostman. Wow. See, that'd be something I would... That's something I've always wanted to investigate further is what happens like when we're in the comatose state like what happens to us subconsciously like does does our conscience free float or is it trapped or does your brain enter like a dream state and create this alternate reality i mean that there's so much stuff i'd like to explore in that that subject it's it's a very interesting subject to me well yes it's about as near as death as you can get yes Without actually dying, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've I've spoke to a lot of people who have had near death experiences. Obviously, it's different to mine, but mm-hmm. they all say they feel like they've touched something. They can't explain it. Like you, I I, I think heaven is our version of heaven, and hell is our version of hell. I don't think there mm-hmm. is a such a thing as heaven, as as like pearly gates. Somebody open the door, and say hello. Mark, hello, David. Yes, you can come in. You've been very good, boys. I don't believe that. I think you were given your version of heaven and your version of hell if you had been, you know, that way inclined. Yep. See, I'm I'm under the... uh, uh, kind of the same idea. Um, But I've also... I don't know, my mind floats around. Sometimes I think our consciousness just kind of leaves our body, and uh, as we're free floating, this this consciousness is free floating, um, is when we experience this heaven or hell. But um, I think it does eventually come together, or in parts comes together whenever a new life form is created, like a new body, like a baby is being born. Um, that energy that was our consciousness ends up being a part of this new life and that's I think that's possibly why we have kids that remember being alive back in the 1940s as you know like a World War II pilot or something you know they remember the past life I think that has something to do with it but again speculation yeah I'm I'm sure about that I'm more inclined to think about the Buddhist line that you if you made a mistake you're given the chance to correct that one mistake. That's my version. I, I mean, I might be wrong. You might be right, but we don't know. It, as, exactly. It, it's like Star up. Trek. You know when they always say about the final frontier? Well, death is the final frontier that we we all have to go through, You know, no matter who you are. And it's the one thing we 
know is going to happen. But I think this is why we're so fascinated with the paranormal world. I think so too. It's that not knowing what happens. And again, you know, this is it's like what I said at the uh, earlier, you know, when when you get into the paranormal investigating field, you start off with questions which lead you through one door which will lead you through another door and, and into another door of different ways of thinking and believing things. And, you know, the way I used to think about life and death before I started has completely changed since I started and, and worked my way through and and up to this point, you know. It, it's, it's so far changed from the norm that it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, I don't know if it makes me find peace with it, but... Um, some people think it's sad, but I, I don't fear death because of the uh, the explorations I've done. Yes, I, I, I have a, a, a few theories. My one one theory is that uh, it, we, God is like a like a white ball of energy, and when we die, our energy force joins him like a giant hive mind. Because when we when we do, I think I'm correct. I, I have told people this before, but I'm not too sure it, what the weight is. But I think there's like a twenty gram difference when they do uh, autopsy that they that the morticians cannot explain. They've done all the weighing of the brain and the lungs and whatever, but there's always this percentage they they cannot explain what it is. There is possible theory it could be the soul. I'm not too sure about that. It could be the um, the body fluids leaving you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. As I say, it's it's, a, it's only a theory. Well, I think it's worth people investigating a bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it just seems like people have looked at it, saw it, and went, well. There's that. Well, it's like you said. Uh, it's like you said earlier, David. If you're going to do research, at least do it properly. If you're wrong, and I, I am into the world of British Bigfoot, which um, is quite a controversial world, and it can get quite <laughs> nasty. Uh, but I'm a great believer that, uh, like everything, if there's a hundred accounts, eighty percent of them can be dismissed quite easily as, oh, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that, that's from one from yeah. and that from one But as you know yourself, there's always 20% that you cannot explain, no matter how you, which way you look at it. Well, here, and here's the, uh, the thing of it is, like, the world is full of skeptics. Whether or not you have an actual picture, you could have Bigfoot sitting down in a chair, just hanging out, you took a picture of it, and you can show it to 100 people, and probably 90% of those people are going to say that's a guy in a costume. Until you have a body with, with Bigfoot, until you have a body, nobody's really going to believe it. And even then, I can guarantee there's going to be somebody that's going to say, no, I don't believe it. Well, it's, it's like I watched a program on British television called The Female Disciples of Christ. Now, basically, Emperor, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he, he Constantine, basically wrote him out of the Bible because he didn't like women. And he took out the uh, pagan elements because he didn't like the pagan elements. And rewrote it in his version. Like everything, in, like you know in history because you study history. That it's always written on the side of the victor and not the the... Victims, right? And I think that the Bible is like you, you know when you go fishing, you see a small fish, mm-hmm. and you catch a small fish, and you go home, and you're not going to say, "Oh, I only caught like a fish that was like three inches long." You're going to say, "Oh, it's at least a foot long," you know. You know, you, we slightly exaggerate. It's the, a trait of humanity. We can't help it. It's what, what we do. I'm not saying the Bible. I've never done that. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Bible. I'm not saying the Bible is exaggerated by any chance. <laughs> but you know what I mean. 
the stories get they get they get they get they get more elaborate as they go along. I generally don't get into uh, biblical talks because I tend to piss people off. <laughs> because I, I throw out hypotheticals. You know, um, when, when there's so many different religions out there that want to claim, lay claim to being the only religion or the right religion, when that is so prevalent in society, yet nobody wants to acknowledge that there were religions way before those religions. I'm not going to point out any particular religions, but like, um, but, you know, before the Bible, there was, you know, like, uh, uh, ancient Samaria, um, even ancient Egypt. Um, they had religions before these other religions, and what or who is it whose place is it to say that they were wrong exactly and i have a i, I have my own controversial theory that i always like to put out there because i just say it's a theory and i don't really mind if people say oh well he's just a nutcase <laughs> but my theory is that god is a schizophrenic <laughs> because in the bible it says that we made him god's image and we are all both good and bad. So I, my theory is that God is both good and bad. Now if, uh, see I, I, I'm kind of known to uh, draw controversy out. And um, I don't, uh, man, I don't really do it with religion a whole lot unless I'm having a private conversation. I just want to piss somebody off. But this is something I always say to people that want to throw the Bible at me is, and I just say it just to piss them off because, and then, of course, it is something to think about, too. Like, uh, what if the Virgin Mary wasn't a virgin? If you take the time and the place, this, all this happened, the Middle East, what happens to a wife when she cheats on her husband? Well, basically, they chop your hand off or kill you. <laughs> So what if she did that and didn't say anything to anybody because she didn't want that to happen? Yes, I see. That, that's all possible because we weren't there. We, we we're not. We weren't. We weren't there at the time. It's also like the theory that, as you know, in UFO ufology, that you the, the aliens or visitors aren't aliens. It's us revisiting ourselves on the future. Yeah, I've seen the, there was a, a Time Traveler video that had popped up over the last year. Oh, I like that and, one. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was the alien sit-down that claimed to be us from like over 2,000 years in the future saying that we did this to ourselves and this is how we look now. And, you know, if they have like telepathy and uh, this intense knowledge, are we in such a bad place then? Why I I give this example to people, why people why we may be of interest. You know, you you as we have got Remembrance Day, where basically for two minutes in the world everybody joins together, and we remember those victims on both sides that died, and we we remember them, and we're all gathered in our private fault. Now, if you're looking down, say you're an alien or interdimensional or whatever you're looking down at this particular moment in an our planet you'll be very highly impressed I think so with the, uh, the structure that we have the intelligence that we exhibit I mean we see people that are extremely smart here but you know if I'm coming from another planet where we have a vast superiority in technology and possibly intellect then you see another planet that has similar traits, yet there's different behavior. Like any scientist, you're going to want to study that behavior to understand what you're looking at. And I think that's part of the curiosity of it. Yes, yeah, so I've talked to a lot of alien abductees. 
And uh, I mean, I do listen. I, I I don't disbelieve it. I I think it, what may happen. I do believe that there is a difference in time. Now, technically, I am time traveling at the moment because right. I am talking to you over midnight Sunday, my end, and it's still Saturday, your end. I know, I know that's not a great example, but technically it's time travel. Yeah. Yeah, not in the sense of I'm going into a TARDIS going, Hi, hello David, how are you? And coming back. But I do seriously believe that we don't look at it this way. But I think no. it is time travel. I, you know, one of the most interesting things that I, I've seen come up out of the, the UFO and abduction talk... Um, something I've seen coming up, especially lately, has been the fact that a lot of these abductees uh, have this happen throughout their family, as if maybe it's happening through their genetic bloodline. Which, if that were the case, would presume that maybe we are have been modified, and maybe they're doing checkups. Or something else is afoot. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, as I say, I think I've talked to people the, the, the probes, but then uh, I don't. I mean, I, obviously, the, the other version of the probes we won't go into, not on this show, <laughs> because I would be taken off air and never be allowed to take again. <laughs> There's even some subjects that even I can't mention, but. Um, that's why I like the world of podcasting because I can have interesting conversations. Because I th- I believe that television and sometimes YouTube is a slightly restrictive in what you can do. Yeah. Do you yeah, come across YouTube's, the same thing? YouTube has uh, become a very restrictive outlet. You know, it used to be it, it wasn't so bad. Like, I mean, you can, you can put, obviously, videos of people, like, mutilating each other, although some videos did get on uh, uh, not too long ago where there were decapitations uh, of uh, captured soldiers and stuff like that, but, but, um, but YouTube's really cracked down on just about anything um, on, their, on their site, you know, whether it's foul language or, you know, showing alcohol or anything like that. They've really cut down on that. But uh, as far as TV goes, I mean, TV's TV has, like, let its foot up off the throats of America as far as censorship goes. But there's still some things... I, it's almost like there's still a control to it. Um, like, if obviously, there's things you, you're not going to show on TV, but that you can show in movies. But it's starting to get to the point where TV is catching up to movies. And... Uh, I think it's just a slow turn on society, really. Well, I, I'm a great hater of political correctness, as you've got yeah. it over there. I mean, I really hate it. Um, I, I'm a great fan of the old 70s British comedy, basically, where, you know, a lot of people say, how can you like that? It was very racist. But if, <laughs> pe- if people actually sat down and watched the programmes, instead of judging them, they will see that both sides got as bad as each other. It was a political... It still is. It still is. It's just people are more offended by everything now and think that they should... People are programmed now to think that they should be offended by something when... Even if it wasn't intended to be offensive. Oh, it's that that word N and N's in R which used to be a colour of cotton apparently. Now, I don't mind the word, I, you know, but if I mention it, I would get told off. And I, I just don't understand why you can, certain singers can put it in the record like every other word. Or a, a certain perfume company that changed the word from, well, I won't say it, but they changed the letter. For, they put, instead of as they put, um, it's a certain perfume, begins with F, ends in K. It used to be a rude word, 
but then they changed it. It's like the word seat for a car. Now, right. you know, as you said earlier, we, we're programmed now to, um, if you, I use this example, you go down to what, in the park, you're watching a kid playing, and um, you think, oh great, I used to be like that. You don't want to hang around, because you might, you think in your head, this is all in your head, that you may be perceived as a pervert or something. Now, no one's come up and told you that, but you, because of the way we are now, we're all afraid to think certain ways. I think this is not only, like, true in general society, but just kind of bringing it back to the whole paranormal field, I mean, this is something that we see all the time. Um, the uh, in the ghost hunting groups, especially, I, I'm not sure about the cryptozoology groups or, or anything like that. But with the ghost hunting groups out there right now, I mean, if you don't if you don't investigate a certain way, or if you don't do things a certain way, then uh, you might be considered an outcast or, or something like that. Uh, or you might help people just call each other stupid all the time, or idiots, you know, just just thinking that their way is better, or you know. Kind of, I think I think people are trying to put things in a box that don't fit, and like the paranormal field is definitely one of those things that doesn't fit because there are no rules when it comes to the paranormal field. Well, of course, except for you know what you deal with the living. Treat them, treat them. Don't go out. I hate the way some programs go out of the way to deliberately provoke a reaction. Yeah. I don't agree like with I'm, I'm not a fan of it either, but it's not to say that it's never worked. Yeah. And, and I, I've talked to someone that they say if, if you talk to a ghost and you say swear words, they're more likely to respond. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I think it would just depend on the spirit. Say if you're talking to an intelligent spirit... Um, I use this analysis all the time. If a spirit is in, intelligent and is aware of its surroundings, it knows it's in its home. If you come into somebody's home and you start swearing at them, what kind of reaction are you going to get? You're, you're going to get one of two things. Either this spirit in life, was his personality was aggressive and confronting to where it will confront you for coming into his home and disrespecting it. Or two... The spirit is going to hide away and get away from controversy. So you won't get any reaction at that point. So I think you've got two sides there that I think people really have to take into consideration. So if you go into a home and you are polite, you know, you're saying please, thank you, asking questions and, you know, doing everything nice and neat. You know, like you would if there was an actual living person there. Chances are you're going to get responses if there's something there. Yeah. I, I I think that, um, what was I going to say? My track of mind's gone. Sometimes it happens <laughs> when you, you, your brain goes, hello, what are you doing with yeah. the reins? Um, and, yeah, so does, uh, brain, Yes, um, now, uh, as you know, in the paranormal, we, uh, we, people sometimes say, oh, you're, you're an idiot. What do you think? There's no yeah. such thing as ghosts. But, I use this example. Now, you go and watch a film. Say, for instance, a John Wayne film. Just, just as an example. Because that's why I have John Wayne as my, in my, John Wayne type statue in my profile picture. Basically, we watch John Wayne, and we watch that film for two hours or one hour, and we watch it, and we forget for that one hour that John Wayne is no longer around. But we, I think films, I don't think it, I think it's, I'm not like the actual ghost of John Wayne, I'm not saying it's like a ghost of John Wayne, but I think it keeps the essence of that person. It keeps the memory alive of him. Definitely does that. I mean, I. Some people might disagree with what I'm going to say, but, like, you know, if 
if you have a family member pass away and everybody starts remembering them and, and thinking about them, say if they're doing it all at the same time and somebody ends up seeing that family member, is it necessarily that family member or is it a collective energy that has formed that memory and somebody experienced it? Yeah, so they, the, as you know, the American government and the Russian government looked into um, psychic abilities mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s and probably now. Oh, yeah. The government likes to be secret. I mean, we all know that, um, as in the paranormal world, exorcism is practiced and known about, and there is a unit in the, in the Vatican that they don't like to advertise. Yeah. Because basically... It's like saying, yeah, we know there's such things as ghosts, but we're not going to say they exist. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the government, they had MKUltra, which was a program that, uh, where they experimented with, like, drugs and, and also the effects of, uh, of that, but they also, at the same time, they were also using, uh, psychics and mediums to look at, uh, to start doing remote viewing and looking in at potential bomb sites. Um, they did, a, I can't remember what the, what the actual program was called, where they actually did use, uh, test a lot of psychics and mediums. But eventually they tried to see if they could use them to contact uh, aliens, alien beings, which was pretty fascinating. There's, there's stories out there about that you can you can find them fairly easy if somebody wanted to look them up. Oh, I I love conspiracy theories. It's one of my pet subjects. I lo- I read everything <laughs> because yes, again, behind every conspiracy, like in myths, there's an element of truth out there somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many famous ones. I blame the film uh, Capricorn One for the fact that, that people say. We did not land on the moon. It's all BS. Basically, it was all filmed and we've never been there. I like to fight that the fact, okay, the flag is meant to flow in the wind. It's not blowing in the wind. It's because you've been told it's blowing in the wind and you see it. If I said to you, I put a picture and I keep saying, oh, there's an elephant in there, and kept saying the word elephant continuously, Eventually, you'd think there's an elephant there. That's how magic works. It deflects. If you're a magician, yeah. you deflect something, don't you? you, you there's also uh, there's also a, a, there's a video out there of Buzz Aldrin when he was doing an interview where he flat out says, "We've already been to Mars. Like we've already landed on Mars." Um, and this is, uh, I think, two decades ago. Um, so, I mean, if we've already been to Mars, we've definitely been to the moon, you know? Um, so, I mean, any, any argument that a skeptic would bring out, you could also throw in a new argument about something else to kind of contradict each other as far as conspiracy theories go. Yeah, I see a lot, there's quite, there's quite a lot of astronauts that say they've seen UFOs. Yeah. Or experience you uh, had a UFO experience, and you're more inclined to believe them because obviously they've been out there. We haven't. They've been in space. It's like but it's not like people say, "Oh yeah," but you can say, "Look, they've actually been in space." They, you can't. They can't get any more closer than being out there. I don't know how many miles in space they go, but you know, you're virtually going, "Hello, we're here." And of course, if there is uh, aliens out there, they'd be thinking, "Oh." What's this race doing? Let's have a look. Yeah, there's a, a quote from uh, uh, Neil Armstrong that was kind of a secretive quote, and it was in 94, I think it was, that he had, had said this in a, in a statement, that uh, it was up to us to like uncover the, uh, the universe's many truths, and uh, what, he he literally just threw this out there, kind of out of nowhere, um, and it, it got everybody thinking. What 
what's he talking about? The veil of truth or something like that. He, he was referring to, um, you know, everybody knows that if there was something out there, obviously our government would lie to us about it and not even tell us. So, you know, I, I tend to watch the astronauts that say nothing about it when asked about it than I do the ones that will just come out and say something because their body language will tell you a whole lot more than, than somebody that's open and just saying, yep, saw this. Yeah, because you can see they get very uncomfortable. It's a, you know, if it's yeah. like if, if you know something and you don't want to tell something, somebody something, you give away that unconscious body movements. Like yeah. You, you, look, you don't look at them in the eye or you look on the side or you get yeah, uneasy. It's like poker. You have a twitch something yeah. or something. Yeah, poker's a great example, that, yes. Yep. Pe- so, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I think people underestimate that. Mm-hmm. I think we... Being able, be being able, able to read... Yeah, we, we always... Reactions. Yeah. We all do it unconsciously, because I used to work in care work. And I used to deal with people who had very severe mental illnesses. I mean, I treat them as people, because that's my theory. But um, you could always tell if they're going to kick off. Because there's certain things you could see, certain body movements, or certain ways they looked at people. You think, oh, yeah, there's going to be trouble here. Yeah. And I think that, yet again, it goes back to early man. That's an ability we we gained from him. Because, basically, he had, had to hunt. And also, early man wasn't just a person that carried a spear, went ugh, ugh, ugh all day, and just basically killed, slept, and got up the next morning. Because if you actually look at things like Stonehenge and other things, obviously, over in America, you can see that there was highly high intelligence. Because even now, we don't know how Stonehenge was actually set up to be exactly where the moon goes and the sun goes. Yeah, who would have thought to build it like that? You know? I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for me is the thought process that goes behind a lot of these engineering marvels. There's a, uh, a place, there's an island off of Italy that uh, supposedly there, there's rumors to be... Uh, uh, a population of giants at, on this island and there's a lot of monuments and things that are built there that are you know if you think of how old they are there's no way no way anybody should have built these and one in particular was a cistern that's in this uh, on this island and basically like the shape of the layout if you had a drone looking down on it the shape of it almost looked like a keyhole but at the base of that keyhole, you had stairs going down to the cistern. All the rock and everything was placed perfectly. The walls are smooth. Like if you had granite countertops, that's how smooth the rocks were. And they made a perfect circle right there at the cistern. And above the cistern is a hole, which every 16 years, there's, a, there's an alignment with the moon where that moon is perfectly above that hole and it shines directly into that cistern. For some reason, I don't know why they built it that way. And it's stuff like that that amazes me to think that they had that engineering ability 20,000 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I seriously think that we've, we've underestimated ourselves. We always think we're the ones that are the more highly evolved. But I wonder if, I mean, this is only another theory, perhaps, like, you, over, I, I, in English history, you've got a thing called the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Where basically nothing was recorded as such. Now, we, nobody, everybody says, oh, nothing happened in the Dark Ages, basically, all gloom and doom and woe with me and ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but I think, if you look at history and inventions, most inventions seem to stop still now. I mean, the car, a car is just extended on what it was originally. Television is extended on what it was originally. Even the internet has 
more or less reached its peak in some ways. And I know people don't like AI. I don't like AI because I think it's going to take over the world. But they don't realise we've got AI in everything. It's everywhere. I do think that I do think that AI will evolve into another living thing, as such. But I don't think it could happen now. I'm talking quite a long time. Like us, we took time to evolve, and I think that we don't. I think it is almost like a living thing. Now people say, "Don't be stupid," but it is as such. Because if you create an intelligence, it wants to evolve. Well, you think we might be able to get to a point where we create an AI that has the ability to understand it needs to repair itself, or to create something so it can keep itself going, or it wants to create its own, uh, like a friend or a population of its own. Maybe that's that's how we were engineered. Because if you think about it, our our veins can be like computer wires, you know. Uh, bits of information flow through with throughout us in our in our blood cells, our DNA. That's information, you know. We have a motherboard, which would be our brain, I, I would assume. Uh, power supply could be our heart, you know. Oh yeah, there's, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of comparisons that are that are there, and like you said, it's not going to happen 20 years from now. It's not going to happen 50 years from now. But who knows? Maybe a thousand years from now, there might be a machine that is able to recreate itself and create others. I think it's possible. I know people are going to say we're nuts. They're probably listening, when they listen back, they think, my God, what the hell were they talking about? But we're, if we predict just, it, and we will, if we predict this, and we may be wrong, Say from thousand years from now, someone listens to it, hopefully, <laughs> and they say, "God, they predicted this." I know it's not a new theory. I know there's lots of other people who had the same theory. I mean, I'm not saying it's a new theory, obviously. Yeah, I mean, if if this happens down the road, I mean, it's, it's I guess it'll be either a good thing or a bad thing. But we're just kind of going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> When you think about stuff in a, in a sense like that, though, I mean, it it makes you realize that what the possibilities are of, of everything, you know, whether it be one particular subject or, you know, many subjects. If you really start looking into the possibilities and thinking, well, how could this work and how could this work? I mean, if you can think of it, I'm sure somebody else can think of it and so on and so on. Well, I always admire inventors. I wonder how they they get this spark of an idea. You know, they're sitting down one day and someone think, hmm, I wonder what I can do to improve the light in the room. It's not very good. What can I do? Hence the invention yeah. of the light bulb. I know Edison is, is credited with the light bulb, but I think right. there were people before him, but I think he painted it first. I don't know if I'm correct on that. I think you're right on the patent. I believe there was a guy that actually created one in uh, the 1870s, but they kind of, I don't know if he had didn't have the funding or something about it, I can't remember what it was, but then with uh, Nikola Tesla and, and Edison kind of going at it, I think that just kind of re-emerged and somebody finally put a patent on it and got their name accredited. There's nothing wrong with that, I mean... As long as it got no. invented. I mean, certainly, in the internet, it started off as a basic idea. I mean, you look at the... I mean, people would not believe us now when we mention dial-up. If if anybody listening doesn't know what dial-up was, it was the old way of using the internet. And basically, it was so slow that we wouldn't even be able to do this. Yeah. It was a very basic... It, it, you could just type... In and you didn't have things called Google or Bling back then, because I don't think they was around. I know I don't believe they was. I think there was a. I think that was with. I think I think I'm thinking of AOL, the web crawler thing. There was something like web crawler or something. 
That's been so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, so I love talking to people about old technology because people say, "Oh God," I say, "No, the radio's been around since forever." You know, I love radio. This is why I like doing podcasting because it's my way of doing. Because I like talking to different people. I like the debate. I like to yeah. find things out, and I think podcasting is a way of. Being more involved with people, getting to know them better, as you know yourself for your own show. Yeah. And you, well, with, you know, carry on. With I was going to say, you know, with uh, well, with my podcast, it's we don't really have on have guests on or anything, but we do explore all these different subjects. And as far as the paranormal field goes, I think that's part of the draw. I think for a lot of people nowadays, not back. Not back in the uh, pre-Ghost Hunters uh, time, but nowadays, after you know it's blown up and everything, people are people are connecting, and I think that's part of the draw. A lot of the people that get into the field probably felt like it, you know they may have been an outcast for their way of thinking or beliefs or something like that, and the paranormal field was a means to find common ground with some pe- with more people find. Uh, more people that were just like them and I think that was why we had that explosion but ultimately you know I think things are going to go back to the way they were you talked about old equipment you know I you're already seeing a lot of this older equipment like radios and stuff like that being rehashed in as far as you know paranormal equipment goes for ghost hunting so I think there's a little bit of draw there too I think a lot of it's, uh, I, I think a lot of it's just a willingness to fit and and have something. I, I think it's gotten to that point now, and you know I see it a lot, and that's why I steer clear of a lot of groups nowadays, um, just because of that. I know people are only in it for a certain reason, and uh, you know. Well, I would call myself a student in anything I do. And as I say, I got drawn into the paranormal because of my near-death experience. I mean, I I started off in cryptozoology. I mean, you can't get further... People say there's no relation, but there is a relation. I think that cryptozoology and paranormal and archaeology and biology are all interlinked in some ways. same thing they they um it's what you get out of it it's like everything what you put in you get back and as you say yes there's nothing wrong with being underground i i love underground i i I talk to a lot of people that are considered underground because they well they're a bit like me i'm a little bit why would be considered a bit eccentric i I suppose because i do lots of weird and wonderful things but I don't mind that. I don't mind people thinking me that. I, I, because I think as long as somebody, one person listens to me on my podcast, I'm quite happy. There you go. Because and that's the way it should be. That's yeah. the way it should be. I, I know there's a lot of, well, there's been a lot of fame seekers out of this field and it's, it's been a, been a battle. Um, because with that you get a lot of BS and, and you get, like we were talking earlier about the uh, how people are just kind of hating on each other, you know, or or calling each other names and just kind of be like I no longer call it a paranormal field. I call it a playground, mm-hmm. paranormal playground. And there's going to be bullies. There's going to be people that pick on other people for not doing things their way. And 
that's that's what it's become. I had to laugh because one person said I asked them to do a podcast and they said, "Oh, are you famous?" I said, "Only in my head." <laughs> I think I'm quite famous. <laughs> in fact, I enjoy myself. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with promoting yourself. I mean, I don't see nothing wrong. I'm I'm gladly put stuff on. I I do a lot of uh, well, I do your pod, Facebook Live podcast bits. I mean, I did one today on the. What did I do? About a Cornish pasty. Mm-hmm. I like doing odd and different things because I think the world needs it. I think there's yeah. so much bad, horrible news out there. And I know you cannot avoid the bad news. I know that. I'm I'm not stupid. But it's just right. nice to have something a little bit different to listen to. Oh, absolutely. See, my... Whenever I do podcasts, sometimes when I do podcasts, not every time, but the people that I usually do podcasts for, they know I have a lot of pet peeves, and I'm not afraid to call stuff out as I see it, and uh, in fact, <laughs> I, I'm probably never allowed to go back on this one pod show, and if I and if I am, I can't say any names like I did, uh, but I literally called somebody out for doing something totally wrong, and that's unethical um, but see my biggest thing as especially lately is has been with some paranormal people that do things and then mislabel it as something else and one of the biggest things or one of the most recent was uh, people a paranormal group posted that they were going to be at a private location and they were going to go live on Facebook from that private location. So I felt compelled to ask them, if you're going live from a private location, what's so private about it? Exactly. Where's Not the private, no. Exactly, it's a contradiction of the word. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then today I had somebody message me because somebody else posted something about, a, uh, what do they call it, a... Uh, an undisclosed location they were going to be uh, doing with the news and they were just kind of laughing about that and they tagged me in it and I'm like like I'm all about labels I, I like things to be labeled correctly undisclosed location I'm fine with that if you're going to do something public with it and you want to call it undisclosed that's fine but if you're calling it a private location you shouldn't be giving private information out or showing images of a private location well, no, that's what I like. I like if I'm going to do something, I always say to people, "Is it okay?" Da 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 da. If, like you say, if you yeah. had a book out, I would say, "Oh, would it be okay if I read one of your chapter one of your book?" Or as I I, I promoted your um, into the night um, DVD for you because I like it and I I I, I appreciate what effort you put into it, and yeah. I like to do that because I think it's important to help people out because this is what I do it for I like to help I like to help I think if I help someone one person in this in this world I'm quite happy and that's honestly I think that's the paranormal field's bottom line whether or not we find truth in anything it makes us happy to do to actually be part of looking for it you know to answer our to answer our own questions and uh, and uh, you know help other people through hard times or, or whatever, it makes us happy. And I think that's I think that's a big part of the whole paranormal field in general. I agree. Now, would you like to give any links to anybody while if they're listening? Sure. Uh, I've got several Facebook pages. Uh, you can look up the most recent Into the Light two. Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash into the light two. Uh, I have my haunting history series on YouTube. You can just type in youtube.com forward slash haunting history, not haunted, haunting. Um, my podcast is on every Sunday at 6 p.m. Central Time in the U.S. Uh, that is Paranormal Frequencies. You can find that on Facebook as well. That's where we podcast from. And uh, the film Into the Light. You can go to realhouse.org, R-E-E-L, house.org. Um, type in 
my name, David Glidden, and you should be able to pull it up. It'll be under DMG Films. Um, you can find the film there, or you can go on Amazon, and you can get the DVD there. I will say we are about a week away from actually starting filming on the sequel to this film, so we're pretty excited for that. Yeah, I shall look forward to that. I do apologise for the interruption in the first part. I hope I will have to probably put part one and part two. I hope people don't <laughs> mind that. I'm sure you don't mind. You understand. You've been there yourself when you podcast. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think the I think the ghosts are trying to say, "Look, Mark, it's a very interesting talk, but we we're going to put a delay in there because if you do radio, you have to put adverts in. I don't like putting adverts in. I I used to do a uh, radio show." And I always used to forget about the adverts. Right. And yeah, that's, that's I found sometimes. And I, I did find it vain because I was more worried about the adverts than actually talking up to the person. Mm-hmm. And you become self conscious of it all the time. You got you think, Oh god, it's twenty past the hour and I've got to say, Oh, it's twenty past the hour, you have been listening to blah 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 blah. And I think, oh, God, this is a bit restrictive in some way. I've got nothing wrong with radio shows. There's great shows out there, really great shows. I know why they have to use adverts, obviously because that's what they like to do. Yeah. But I'm not a great fan of it, the advert side. It it just interferes with the flow of the programme. some some programs it, that's how they make their money but like with my podcast we we advertise stuff that we we are you know selling or or services that a friend has you know like uh, celestial crystal healing and stones she's a good friend of mine she uh she does uh crystal healings readings and uh stuff like that so we do that for her and just to kind of help get her name out there as well but we don't get paid for it so no it's it's all free i do everything free is it okay if, when you're on doing your podcast one day, that I record one of them and use it on my podcast? Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I just think it's, I would like to do that for you. Now, I, I, we're coming to the end slot. If people have been listening, or they probably might have fallen asleep somewhere. <laughs> or they finished a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and they're on night work thinking, oh, what's, the, what's happening now? Well, basically, this is my sign-off. I like to sign off in a unique way. And this is my... I do it for everybody, so... um, Are you ready? I'm ready. (coughs) Let me clear my throat. Thank you, David, for being on my show. We had a great chat, you know. I'm sorry about the break. It was um, the ghost who liked to make me suffer. But I'll put my. I'll get them one day. I'll put them in the in the trapper. So thank you, David, for being on my show. Thank you, my friend. Along we go. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for having me. That's okay. 